Hi, Tony. I am a longtime listener. Um, I actually have a gift of medium. And a couple years ago, I decided to do a ghost tour to see how powerful my gift is. And so when I did this at a place that used to be a plantation and, and ended up to be a orphanage back in the 1940s, 1950s in Frederick, Maryland. Me and another person, it was her first time as well. And as we were taking a break to go into another area, standing outside, smoking a cigarette with someone else, I felt someone tug at me. And he is the guy that's smoking the cigarette with me. I'm talking and he's looking down at my shirt. And he starts to point. And when he points down, I look down and the jacket that I was wearing started to rise up. So he grabbed his voice and I started freaking out a little and he told me to relax and he started asking questions and later on in the early morning we started to listen to what we had recorded and one of the questions he asked was who are you and there was nothing the second question was why are you here and clear as day you heard this little voice say, I like her. Well, unfortunately, not all paranormal investigations end in such an innocent reaction or EVP from a child just saying, I like her. Sometimes it uh, gets much darker than that. Warnings, ominous signs, scratches. Sometimes it does not go very well when folks are in a spirit's territory. On this week's EPP bonus episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, we hear about innocent people that seemingly go into the territory of these spirits. Although it could be human territory, too. It should be human territory, too. But the spirits don't seem to agree with that principle. We're going to hear the story of a couple that finds a great low-rent home. They get there. Should be wonderful. Nice place to live. It turns out to be anything but. Can they break the lease if the home is haunted? couple is kind of torn in what to do. Also, have you ever heard an unexplained noise? wonder what that is one listener is traumatized by deep scratching inside of the walls of her home what they find when they start investigating is shocking have you ever felt anything while you're in a sleep paralysis state like physically with your hands with your fingers things of that nature with your senses one listener feels the hairs on the head of a woman kneeling beside her bed why is that woman there We'll talk about that as well. Very creepy stories on this week's EPP bonus episode. EPP number 243 of Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm Tony Bruschi. Stay with us. When you're house shopping, sometimes you just know. You just know that this place has got something else going on with it. 
It doesn't always require the real estate agent to act fidgety and strange and make excuses for you to to kind of get that vibe. Not always are we able to uh, heed the warnings. No, especially in in some of the very difficult situations uh, that many are in, in many cities where property costs are just insane. Uh, and then the ability to find a place to live in that's within the price range in a remotely safe area, you kind of got to take what you can get sometimes. But what do you do when what you can get is haunted as hell? You may not realize it's haunted as hell at first. You may have the feeling it might be. But you kind of go in thinking, ah, maybe I'm just, maybe it's the burrito from lunch. You know, maybe it, it that's all it is. It's the beans. Shouldn't have that anymore. That's that's it. But you find out all too soon that nope, uh, all the chalupas in the world cannot cause what you're about to embark upon in the haunted house you just moved into. In our next story, a couple moves into a house because they have to. They're priced out of their old neighborhood. They get the vibes. They got the shady realtor. But they give it their best shot. Oh, do they ever. And so does the ghost that lives in that house or ghosts. We still don't know the answer to that one. Creepy story. Classic haunted house. Take a listen. The following is a story about a questionable house that my husband and I rented a few years back when we still lived in Georgia. It's a little different in the fact that I'm still not sure if this house was ever haunted by any one specific ghost. I still definitely say that it was haunted. As I've learned from this particular experience and from listening to other similar stories on this show, ghosts of the deceased are not the only thing that can haunt a house. This experience may not have been quite as classifiable as some of my other stories in the past, but it's still never been able to shake the feeling that there was something there. I'll let you guys be the judge of that. My husband and I rented this house from 2012 to 2014. It was our second place together. We've been priced out of our cramped little apartment in the hip little Five Points neighborhood of Atlanta, and we're desperately searching for a rental home on Craigslist before our lease was up. We're also very eager to find a bigger place for the yard because we'd recently adopted a large breed three-legged dog and we were having to carry him up and down our narrow metal stairwell to our second floor apartment multiple times a day to use the bathroom while he was still recovering from his surgery. When I finally found an affordable rental home online that fits our needs, we jumped at the chance to go check it out. The 1950s East Atlanta Ranch home with a basement was a bit further out and in a rougher area of town. I didn't see anything too out of the ordinary when I looked up the zip code on a neighboring crime statistic website. The price was right and the built-in bar in the basement was reason enough for us to want to go and see the place for ourselves. When we first met Ken, the property manager at the house, my husband and I both immediately had an uneasy feeling about him. 
There was just vaguely an off-putting thing about his fake smile and his all-too-obvious dodging of simple questions. When Ken tried to open the door to the house to show us inside, he suddenly realized he didn't have the right key. My husband and I would have both been fine just laughing it off and meeting him there another time, but Ken's face turned bright red and he immediately started cussing up a blue streak, blaming everyone and anyone for taking his keys and furiously yelling at someone on the phone right in front of us as we both awkwardly stood there in silence and waited. I don't even remember anymore how the incident was resolved, but my husband and I stubbornly chose to ignore all the red flags and were eventually able to get into the place and take a tour of the house. It was very spacious, and I remember thinking that it was cool and dark inside. I figured this was probably because the house was mostly under the shade of some large trees and had some old dark wood paneling on some of the walls. The doors were also old brown wood that had been repurposed. Two of the doors, the one to the second bedroom and one leading to the bar area of the basement, each had a deep dent in the wood, and there was even a large hole clean through the door in the basement bar. The basement bar door was non-essential, though, so we didn't mind the distressed look, and Ken assured us that he could replace the door to the second bedroom. Also, the house was pretty filthy, as in grime and dead bugs all over the floor, and especially in the basement. We were even able to write that one off, too, because, well, this was summer in Georgia, after all. The house had been empty for a while, after the last tenants. So bugs might have come in after they left. Ken promised that all of the mess would be taken care of by his professional cleaners well before we moved in. So even that was a non-issue. We all went back up to the kitchen and just about finished discussing all the details of the lease when my husband, who's had many unfortunate paranormal experiences as a child, asked, Hey, one last thing. Have you ever heard anything about this house being haunted? Ken smiled, and with a bit of chuckle, he replied, Not to my knowledge. So with that, my husband and I got the keys to the house a couple of weeks later. It was my birthday when we first walked in as new tenants. We were both mortified to discover that not only had the cleaners never arrived as promised, but now bats were living inside the fireplace of the basement. We could hear them chirping inside of the chimney and knew that this would mean yet another delay in the move. But now we had no choice but to stick it out and be patient. According to Ken, the cleaning lady had just canceled the job without a word of explanation. My visiting in-laws were kind enough to help us clean the place and were able to get a discount out of the month's rent. When we finally were able to move in with our dog and two cats, it was like the elements were against us. In addition to the brutal summer heat, we had several of the most severe thunderstorms and flooding I'd ever seen while growing up in the Deep South. Our power lines were hit by lightning multiple times, forcing us to move in mostly in the dark. At one point during the move, I was in the silent dark house alone when suddenly I heard a strange high-pitched shrieking, chattering laughter that went on for several seconds. The bats in the basement had already been taken care of at this point, but... This was loud and didn't sound like any bat or animal I'd ever heard. It almost sounded human or inhuman for that matter. Almost like a recording of a small child giggling. It was sped up and it sounded like it was coming from the driveway just outside of the door. My husband's always joking around and making wacky noises for no reason. So I figured it was just his way of messing with me or trying to relieve some of his delirious stress from the move. I opened the door and called out to him. What the fuck was that noise? 
just as he walked up to ask me the same thing. My husband is a terrible liar, so I knew he wasn't kidding. We were both a little bewildered and freaked out by this, but we just continued to unload our boxes and tried our best to forget about it. The next odd occurrence in the house happened soon afterward while my in-laws were staying in the second bedroom on an air mattress to help us finish up the move. I just painted the walls in that room the week before to a cheerful shade of light yellow, and my mother-in-law noticed a strange mark on the wall the next day. It looked like a dirty little footprint, and she was at first very embarrassed, thinking that she had accidentally left a mark on the wall in her sleep. She's a bit of a germaphobe, though, and her feet weren't at all dirty. Also, the footprint was very small, like a child's, and quite a bit higher up on the wall. She'd have to have been able to reach while sleeping low to the ground on an air mattress. We all even compared the size of her foot to the mark on the wall and agreed that it didn't match up at all. Even if it had been a partial footprint, we all had a nervous laugh about it and just continued unpacking our things. We never could explain exactly how the mark had gotten there. My husband and I celebrated completing the move from hell a couple of weeks later by throwing an ironically themed Amityville horror get out of the house warming party. All of our guests dressed the part. We served up some 70s fondue, Defoe dip, possession punch, and garnished all the cupcakes with plastic flies. I changed the light bulb in the bar room in the basement to red because the shadowy recessed back corner behind the bar always gave off some creepy vibes and reminded me a lot of the little hell wall from the original movie. I even put a terrifying rubber pig mask we named Jody back there to complete the look. Despite agreeing to a game of poker in the middle of the room, none of our guests would even approach the bar. Everyone was seriously spooked by that corner, the rubber pig or not, and even suggests to me that I might have gone too far this time. One of our friends had consistently refused to go into our basement at all, the very beginning, even to help us carry boxes down there. Whenever we asked him why, he would shake his head and say, Hell no, y'all got an evil basement, and it gives me creeps. As time went on, we both began to wonder if he was right. Our dog eventually did learn how to use the stairs, but spent most of his time at the top of the hallway guarding the door to the basement and growling whenever the door would creak open on its own. Meanwhile, my husband's cat became oddly obsessed with a recessed corner in the bar and seemed to spend all day, every day in there, just staring at the wall. His behavior was even strange for him, and he continued staying down there for nearly a year until he suddenly became sick with aggressive cancer, began to waste away, and then eventually died. Even before the cat's strange death, I found myself actively avoiding looking at the room. I later realized that the hole in the bar room door and the guest room door had been caused by someone violently trying to punch their way in. Whenever I had to go down to the other parts of the basement to do the laundry or use my treadmill, I'd always shut the laundry area door behind me to avoid seeing the bar in my peripheral. I always felt like someone was watching me, and I was afraid that I might catch a glimpse of some movement or shadow that shouldn't be there. Before long, the floor of the bar room was covered with dead ants again. We had never left any food or ant poison out for them to even notice them to come out in the first place. I later noticed that even the laundry room door had deep claw marks along the bottom, indicating that someone had probably left a large dog down there for an extended amount of time in the past, which further added to the feeling of misery to the whole place. 
Except the well-lit living room, the feeling of hopelessness in this house was always so strong that it almost felt tangible. Sometimes violent and suicidal thoughts that didn't even feel like they were mine would pop into my head, and I wasn't even a depressed person when we first moved in. Then there was the nightmares. And that's where we're going to pause this one. What happens in the dreams? What happens in the house? When they are wide awake. It involves some sleepwalking. It involves a pretty damn close to death experience as well. If you want to hear the full story, become an EPP, an extra podcast person. Through our website at ghostpodcast.com. Or you can do it through patreon.com. Slash real ghost stories. Five dollars a month in either place to become an extra podcast person. You get access to all of our EPP bonus episodes. You get access to advanced episodes of our show, the regular ones, weeks before they're released to the public. You also get a free e copy of our Amazon best selling book, book, Real Ghost Stories, Haunted Encounters Told by Real People. There's a whole lot of other cool perks there as well, like a fast pass email that you can send your stories to to get consideration on the show before everybody else. Uh, check it out. Keep us on the air. We can't do the show without you. If you listen regularly, uh, five bucks a month, it's the cost of a cup of coffee and your support. This is a listener supported show. Uh, without that support, we couldn't keep doing this thing. So please keep up that support. If you are an EPP, if you're not one yet, please sign up. You will love these EPP bonus episodes. Right away, you start binging on like 240-some of them. Boom, like that when you sign up. It's listening all summer long, right? All right, check it out, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Until next time, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.